Awesome. Awesome. Well, sweet. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. I'm so, I'm so excited. I've also had a little bit of coffee, too. Um, so I'll be, I'll be moving around a bit. Um, I didn't have seven shots like that one Sunday but, uh, of espresso. But, um, but real quick, uh, I, I want everyone, if you have your copy of God's Word or if you have your Bible app um, or anything like that, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 18 specifically. Um, but before we dive in, I do want to give some context um, about... This, this letter to the Thessalonians that Paul is writing. So the church in Thessalonica at this time uh, has, has two big problems going on in their congregation. Um, so one of the, the, the first problems that they're encountering, that they're seeing, and these are new believers, so keep in mind that they're still learning to understand this whole uh, we are eternal beings concept. And they're still learning to understand that, hey, uh, Christ gives us life not just here on earth, but also life to come, right, when we, when we pass on. And so they're, they're trying to grasp this concept, and they have people in their congregation actually passing away, and they're like, they're like, how do we have hope in this, and how do we fully grasp this, and how do we really understand what this means for us as individuals, as souls that have eternal purpose? What does this mean? How can we be sure? And Paul is encouraging them in this letter. And the second thing is that in their community around them, they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted by uh, city officials. They're being persecuted by their, their neighbors. Uh, who, who don't believe the same things that they do because um, this is a culture that's dominated by a pagan society, right? Um, an anti-Christian mindset in society. And so to have these Christians coming around and talking about what monotheism and, 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 and this, this, this Jewish guy named Jesus came and he died on a cross and, and he was God incarnate and he, he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day and he took away my sins like like that's a foreign concept to these people it's crazy we'll we'll, we'll uh talk to the the clouds and we'll pray to eagles and stuff like that all day but but to have one true god who loves me like that's that's so foreign and so they're dealing with persecution they're dealing with death in their congregation and paul is encouraging them and, and specifically i want us to look at one verse um bible drill kids. Um, I, I hope this is still a Bible drill verse. I'm not entirely sure, but First um, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 uh, is, is kind of what we're looking at, primarily looking at verse 18. But Paul says this, and uh, these three verses are super important, but we're only looking at 18. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And my first point, uh, real quick, before I go into my points, I want, I want y'all to understand how today's going to work. This morning, we're splitting verse 18 into three chunks, all right? So we're slicing and dicing this thing. So the first chunk we're actually going to look at is give thanks. Give thanks. This, 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 these two words, right? So observation one, what is thanks? What is thankfulness? What does it mean to give thanks? Thankfulness means remembering the grace and the goodness of God. Thankfulness means remembering the grace and the goodness of God. It, it's this, this joyful expression for appreciating God's grace and the good things that he's given us in our lives. In fact, the word that Paul uses, um, eucharisteo, you means good, charis means grace or thanks. And uh, I don't know how many of you grew up in other Christian backgrounds, uh, who grew up calling communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist. That's the historical name for the Lord's Supper. Fun fact, 
that means good grace or, or giving thanks, right? Thanksgiving. And so it's just this cool, beautiful thing. I, I love, I'm, I'm such a nerd, and I love making these connections. Uh, but this is what it is, right? And so you, Kari's, good grace, good thanks for the things that God has done for us, the things that God has given us. And we see this. We see this in the Exodus. We see Moses is speaking to the people. He's talking about Passover. And real quick, Passover, what it was, was it was this, this moment when God is trying to get the Israelites out of Egypt. They've been enslaved for years, and he's like, I'm going to help you all out. I'm going to free you all. Um, and finally, we're getting down to like the last night there in Egypt, right, before Pharaoh's like, get out of here. So God's like, I'm going to come through, and I'm going to silence, put to death, every single firstborn thing in sight, unless I see the blood of the lamb on your doorposts, right? Um, which is foreshadowing, right? What Christ would eventually do for us. But Moses says to the people, in this one word I want you to look at, because if you get nothing else from this, this verse, this one word, it, it means everything. Remember. Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. What's the whole point of Passover? The whole point of the Jews celebrating the feast of Passover isn't because they're supposed to do it to be good Jews or because it's this social expectation that's placed upon them. It's to remember the goodness and the grace of God and, and what he did for them by getting them out of Egypt, by freeing them from slavery, from also saving them from death, giving them an opportunity to escape wrath, Right? What a big deal. And, and, I, and I love how Jesus, during the Last Supper in Luke 22, he takes the bread, and when he had given thanks, which would have been um, a, thank, a thanksgiving prayer that you would have prayed around Passover time, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we see God's grace celebrating the Jewish festival of Passover, right? And then it's during Passover that Jesus... Uh, is he, he institutes the Lord's Supper, but it's also during Passover that he's crucified. And so in this moment, we see God's grace remembered in Passover, and then we see Jesus, the ultimate picture of God's grace, during Passover, initiating the Lord's Supper, right? Saying, hey, do this in remembrance of me now, and we do that today. And it's just this fun, beautiful thing. Like, we, we, we have these ways of praising God for the amazing things that he's done for us. And it's really easy to praise God for all the, the ways that he's, he's shown up and the ways that we've visibly seen him show up. And because he's done so many good things, and, and it's a, a wonderful, beautiful human response to praise God for those things. But it's also really easy because when we're only looking at the things that God has done that's good for us, naturally we're going to be happy about it. Naturally we're going to be clicking our heels, right? Skipping through town, right? Um, but... I want to challenge that, and uh, this second point actually comes in the form of a question, uh, which Jason had talked about. We're like, can we do a second point in the form of a question? I, th I think so. Um, but it, it says this, if we're only thankful for the good things, are we really even thankful at all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we're only thankful for the good things, are we really thankful at all? And that kind of brings me to the second chunk of 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, in all circumstances, right? Paul doesn't call us to only give thanks when life is good, when we can visibly see or, or feel or experience God's blessing on our life, right? No, he says, in all 
circumstances. The Greek word literally, like, I looked it up, the word all, uh, just to make sure we weren't missing anything contextually, and it literally does mean everything and in all things. And I was like, that stinks. Like, because I'm like, we're awful at that. Um, and, and, and because it is so easy to praise God when life is good. But what about when life is bad? And I was encouraged by examples from the Old Testament. I look at Job, right? So if you know anything about the story of Job, you know that, that everything was taken from him, right? Satan is trying to test Job's love for the Lord. And he's like, all right, you take everything away from him, he's going to curse you to your face. Job loses his kids. Job loses his home. Job loses his health. Job loses everything, everything that matters to him. And yet, there's, there's one thing that matters more to him, and that's God. In the midst of all of his mess, he says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. When he's lost everything, he still chooses God. And, and I look at David, and this is actually a prayer that's probably very familiar to you all because we hear it a lot around Easter time, but Psalm 22 my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? The very words that Jesus echoed on the cross. David, in, the, in these dark places, right? Like, like he says, like a prayer like this, like God, like, I feel like you've abandoned me. Where are you? Right? And I love it because verse 3 kind of starts leaning towards the shift in this psalm. He says, you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. And then in verses 22 and 23, he's saying, I will tell your name to everybody, all my brothers, in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And all you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. And uh, there's this little sub-point I want to make. And it's this, if we're only thanking God, if we're only thanking God when life is good, that's not being thankful. That's not thanksgiving. That's idolizing comfort. If you're only thanking God, if you're only acknowledging God, if you're only loving God when life is good, you're not really loving, pursuing, thanking God. You're just idolizing the comfort that he's giving you right now. And don't get me wrong, it is not wrong, it is not sinful to thank God for the good things. In fact, we're meant to thank God for the good, beautiful things in our lives. But if we're only thanking him when life is good, and we're only loving him because it's convenient and comfortable, we're not, we're not really loving God. We're not thanking him. We're not truly appreciative of the things that he does for us, of his presence in our lives. Paul, I'm going to go through Paul's list real quick. I just call it Paul's list uh, of hardships. It's in Corinthians 11. Um, and I'm not going to read these verses fully because, you know, we'd be here all day. But I am going to read off the stuff he went through. So he went through 39 lashes, right, with a whip. That's pretty dang close to death. Um, Three times he was beaten with rods, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was adrift at sea, uh, he had, had a lot of journeys where he was in danger from rivers and robbers, his own people, Gentiles in the city, whatever that means, uh, in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false believers, uh, he had sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, cold, exposure, and then also suffering anxiety. So he lists all of his external struggles, right, then he listens lists his internal struggles, right? And, and this is the same, why do I even bring any of this up? It's because this is the same guy telling the Thessalonians to be thankful in all circumstances. This is the same guy, he's like, he's like yeah, like I've been through all this, but, uh, but you be thankful in everything that's going on, and, which is crazy, but why does he do that? Because 
This is the third chunk. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for your lives, right? And that brings us to our third point, which is God desires for us to see hardship as a necessary part of our Christian growth. And if you're like me, you cringe when you hear that because you're like, ugh, that sounds awful, right? That sounds absolutely awful. Um, And real quick, I want to run through some verses. So we have some apostles. So Jesus' brother James actually tells us to count it joy. Why? Because all these struggles, all the things that you go through produce steadfastness, this endurance, this perseverance, this mindset of, I can keep going, not because I'm strong enough, but because God is. James says that. And then Paul builds off this. I'm actually uh, reading these to y'all in the order that the letters were written, fun fact. So Paul builds off of that. And he says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And then Peter, afterward, he says to make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Whew. Why? Because they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It does not require much faith to love God when life is easy. It requires a ton of faith to love God when life is awful, when life is hard, when we are at the depths and we don't see the light, right? It takes everything that you have. And even when everything you have is spent, there is so much effort that goes into choosing God in the midst of the mess than if constantly life just handed you the silver platter. Uh, I'm descended from teachers. Um, I have a lot of English teachers in my life. Um, And uh, I love this because I I look at the hardships and the things that God has us go through. Um, I think of God as an author, as a storyteller. Uh, Because when you think about it, when you read the Bible, but even if you examine your own life, you see the ways that God is sprinkling little things of foreshadowing elements into your own story. Like think about where are some things in your life you're like, I didn't understand that then, but now I see why he put that there. And I think about it, and I think about our struggles. I think about the hardships we overcome and all these, all these valleys, right? And uh, I call it character development. Character development. How many of you, like teenagers, all right? Remember, you know, literature class, right? Character development. We're familiar with that concept. Your hardships. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but, but I think about it in the grand scheme of things. If God is the author of the story, because he is, why does he have us go through all these hardships? Why do you love when Frodo, a hobbit, can take the ring to Mordor? Why do you, why do you love when, when, when these characters that you read about, or these, these characters in movies, right, like, can, can overcome these huge obstacles, instead of just kind of strolling down to the conflict and doing what they were supposed to do and leaving, right? There's more, hey, there's more of a story. It's a little bit more exciting. But you also get to see how they grow and how they're strengthened and how they become better because of what they went through and what they learned because of what they went through. God doesn't put us through things or allow us to go through things because he's like, oh, it's kind of fun. Let's see how they do. He does it because he is 
because he loves us and he wants us to constantly be growing and becoming better than what we were before so we look more like Jesus so that we change the world so that the world that's changed can have eternal hope. And so real quick, what in the world do we do with this? What, how, how do we take this, how do we take Thessalonians 5.18 and apply it to our everyday lives? The first thing I want, I want us to look at is this. First, you need to reflect on how God has blessed you. And it sounds simple, but we're terrible at it. Uh, Bing Crosby, how many of you have, uh, uh, forgive me, Mom, uh, I'm bringing up Christmas. Uh, so in your Christmas movie lineup, right, how many of you have white Christmas in that, in that, in that lineup? Oh, we got a good, okay, cool. Uh, so, you know, Bing Crosby, you know, fall asleep counting your blessings, right? That's a whole song that he sings. And in other words, yeah, count your blessings. Reflect on the ways that God has blessed you. Like, look at, look at the, the blessings of the people around you, like your family, your friends. I mean, do, do, you, do you, like, like, like look at your, your house. Look at, look at the fact that you have a job. Are you stressed about things? Uh, there, there are times when, when I, 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 I'm like, golly, I'm a, little, I'm a little stressed right now. But then I find myself, and this is weird and backwards, but it's awesome too. I thank God that I'm even stressed. I have things to stress about. What a gift. What a crazy, beautiful gift that I have things in my life to stress about, right? How are you blessed? What are the spiritual blessings God's given you? What, like, like, have you heard the name Jesus today? Have you been told God loves you today? I'd say that you're far more blessed and fortunate than a good chunk of the population of the world. That's a blessing. Just to hear the name of Jesus is such a blessing. Because there's people in this world who have not heard that name. And they're not aware of the hope and the life and the love that they're constantly being extended. So that's the first one. Reflect on your blessings and how God's blessed you. Second thing, we need to be thanking God for the struggles that are making us into his likeness. Thank God for the struggles that are currently making you into his likeness. So thank him for your present struggles. And then I want, I want a little add a little something here. Like, look at your past struggles, too. What are the things that you've overcome? What's the uh, character development that you've already gone through and how has God used that or how is he still using that or maybe you won't even see how he's using it till you get to the other side of eternity, right? But what are the things that God is using in your life, the things that are less than ideal by our standards? What are the ways he's using that for his kingdom, for eternal purpose, to to not glorify ourselves but to to love other people and to, to do the things that he's called us to do. And lastly, we need to be, and I hate this one, I hate this one, dude, uh, but joyfully ask God for his will to be done in your life. Joyfully ask for God's will to be done in your life. Why do I hate that? You may be like, Franklin, you're an awful person for hating that. And, you know, it's, it's whatever. But when you actually dive into how scary that prayer is, you'll understand why I'm so uncomfortable with it. Because when you're praying for God's will to be done in your life, you're literally telling God, hey, I have no clue what's, what's on the other side of this prayer, what, what can possibly be thrown at me, what can possibly happen. But I'm, I'm giving you the keys and I'm climbing in the trunk. Like, like the Lord's Prayer, I love the Lord's Prayer. It's something I try to pray 
every morning just because I love it and it kind of captures all the main things. It's a beautiful outline of the things we ought to be praying for on a regular basis. But the part that always gets me every morning, every morning, is on earth just as in heaven. Because I'm like, I don't, know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I know how I feel about that. And it scares me. I'm like, um, because I know for a fact, and, and hopefully y'all know this too, when Jesus in the garden prayed that God's will would be done, what happened? He was crucified, right? But when you think about that too, look at the beauty that was on the other side of that cross. Three days later, he rose, right? And that means life for us forever and relationship with God and forgiveness and all this beautiful, beautiful stuff. And so when we ask for God's will to be done in our lives, yeah, it's scary. It's the scariest prayer you're going to pray ever. But it's also the most beneficial one because there's an eternal impact that, that, that God can make happen through just you saying, God, I lay myself down. I'm giving you the keys. So I love y'all. I hope this challenged you because it challenged me. It made, like I said, that third point makes me uncomfortable. But in the season of thankfulness, I don't want us to be leaving thankfulness just on Thursday after we've eaten all the turkey and the cranberries in sight. Cranberries? Have, never mind. I won't go off on Cranberries. <laughs> My family knows. Um, but don't, in this season of thankfulness, please don't leave thankfulness in a temporary 24-hour period. We're meant to have a spirit of thankfulness. We're meant to have our hearts fixed on the beautiful and what we perceive as not so beautiful things that God's blessed us with. So I love you, church. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. And uh, I'm going to pray us out real quick. Dear God, golly, thank you so much for this day. Just thank you for, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus, especially for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you, oh, golly, just for the ways that you've, you've moved in our lives, the ways that we've been aware of, the ways that we haven't been aware of. God, we're thankful that you're the author of this story and not us. We're thankful for the, for the ways that you have, you've, you've, pushed us and you've pressed us and you'd allow, you've allowed us to struggle. Because God, we know that you're making us better and we know that um, you don't do that for us, but you do that for your kingdom. You do that for your glory. You do that because you want to use us to love people, to point them to you and let them know there's a God out there who loves them more than anything. So God, I just ask right now, would you be with all my brothers and sisters that are here this morning? God, I just ask that um, in, their, in their going out into Thanksgiving, that they wouldn't just leave Thanksgiving on the table with the turkey. But God, I pray that they would, they would have this spirit of Thanksgiving. The Holy Spirit, would you give us a mindset and a heart that's constantly fixed on the beautiful things that, that are joy-filled, not because we always think they're great, but they're joy-filled because there's eternal purpose behind it. God, we love you, we praise you, and uh, we thank you, to say the least. In your name pray. Amen.